Hey everyone, Brian Anderson here with a quick programming note. We're going to take a week off to produce our next show. I'll be heading to the California Republican Party's convention in a couple weeks. It should be a wild one with major implications for the GOP's future. We'll bring you that story at the end of the month. But today on the show, I catch up with a lawmaker to discuss a story the Bee recently broke about the state's handling of a critical voter registration program. And as usual, we'll end the show with our favorite segment, Buzz of the Week. During a news conference with Gabby Giffords about gun control, one lawmaker spoke passionately about an incident that affected his family. You won't want to miss it. But first, we begin with a discussion on the future of health care in California. I sat down with my colleague, Sophia Bolag. All right, enjoy the show. We are not going to have a circus here. I appreciate the president's tweet when he thanked me. Can you please hug me? <laughs> California's leaders are in open defiance of federal law. You know what, everybody? They never thought we could do it. Hello and welcome to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. Gavin Newsom has just taken office, and one of the big talking points is Medicare for all. But what exactly does that mean? I'm sitting down with my colleague, Sophia Boleg, to find out. Sophia, thanks for taking the time. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So, Sophia, can you give us some insight as to what Governor Newsom wants to do as it relates to health care? So, Newsom proposed an array of health care plans in his first week in office. What he's proposed really falls short of uh, a single-payer system, which is something that he talked a lot about on the campaign trail. Implementing a single-payer system in California would require waivers from the federal government. Not something the Trump administration seems that it would be terribly eager to do. Yeah, I think it's it, the, the general consensus is that it's unlikely that the Trump administration is going to agree to what Newsom is asking for, but uh, Newsom did send a letter to the Trump administration asking for permission, basically, to implement a single-payer system. Uh, so we'll see so, what happens. So just some terminology for our listeners. You have Medicare for all. You have universal health care. You have single-payer. Can you sort of break those things down into to what they actually mean and do. Sure, uh, when most people talk about a single payer system, what they mean is a, a system where the government funds the whole healthcare system that would essentially you know, eliminate private insurance under some of the plans that have, have been proposed. Although we should note that Newsom himself has not come out with a single payer plan. So we don't know exactly what, what sure. that would look like. Although he has expressed support for single payer and, and having a single payer system in California. That idea is sometimes also called Medicare for all. It's different than the idea of universal health care, which you know, when most people talk about universal health care, uh, they really mean uh, you know everyone has access to health care. And that could include under you know private insurance or under a you know state health care program like you know, for example, Medi-Cal, which is California's version of the Medicaid program. So there are many different pathways forward for Governor Newsom to take. As far as what he's outlined so far, I know he's proposed getting back to, to the individual mandate of requiring people to have insurance. 
Is that correct? So part of Newsom's health care plan includes creating the individual mandate at the state level. So the individual mandate, it was part of the Affordable Care Act, which is the federal health care law. And essentially, it is a penalty that you have to pay if you don't have insurance and you don't qualify for one of the exemptions under the Affordable Care Act. So the federal government has rolled back the individual mandate at the federal level. Newsom wants to reinstate it at the state level. He says that would provide money to give middle-income people more access to insurance subsidies to basically make insurance more affordable for you know people who maybe are having trouble affording it right now. So, so as far as this process that we're in, Newsom is approaching about a month in office right now as governor. We have a very new legislative session. So with with the key understanding that we're very early into a new governor and into this legislative cycle, do we have any sort of indications at this point in time how, how much of a priority this will be for, for the governor? Because I know he's articulated many different priorities. Where do you think healthcare ranks on this list? So Newsom um, came out with these health care plans on his first day in office. That's when he announced them. I think that indicates it's it's a fairly high priority for him. Um, it's part of, these plans are part of his budget proposal. He's also signed a few executive orders related to health care. So it, it seems like that's, you know, one of the one of the things that's, that's pretty high on his priority list. Over the next several months, what are some of these unanswered questions? What are some of the details that you would be interested in and hearing more to try and get a better understanding of the future direction of healthcare in California. What should we be watching out for? So I think one area where Newsom and the legislature are, you know, potentially going to have to negotiate would be over their proposals to expand Medi-Cal, which is the state's Medicaid program, to more undocumented immigrants. The legislature currently has a proposal that would expand Medi-Cal access to all adults who are living in the country illegally who meet the income requirements for Medi-Cal. Newsom has a plan that falls short of that. It's a sort of less expansive plan. It would expand Medi-Cal access to people up to age 26. Right now, undocumented children who meet the income requirements or whose families meet the income requirements um, are eligible for Medi-Cal, but those, they, they stop being eligible once they turn 19. Yes, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the pipeline. Sophia, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Thanks. And we'll be right back. You're listening to California Nation. California automatically registers people to vote when they visit the Department of Motor Vehicles. Last week, the Bee reported that top elections officials warned against launching the Motor Voter Program so soon. But despite the concerns, Secretary of State Alex Padilla and others decided to go forward anyway, ahead of the June 2018 primaries. The day after our story, one lawmaker decided to submit an audit request asking for an independent investigation into the implementation of Motor Voter. As you might remember from one of our past shows, 
Republican Assemblyman Jim Patterson of Fresno fell one vote shy of a separate request last summer to audit the DMV over wait times. So why will this time be any different? And can the audit pass? I sat down with him to find out. Assemblyman Patterson, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have Thank you. Thank you, Brian. So let's start out with an issue that's near and dear to your heart. <laughs> I think you know what I'm going to say, the DMV. Sure. Right now, there has been uh, some reporting from us about an ongoing concern about the Motor Voter Program, yes. which automatically registers people. You've called for an audit. Can you yeah. walk me through that? Sure. There is an increasing rhythm of problems over and over again that is touching everything that the DMV touches. And we now see that the, the Motor Voter has thousands of errors. I, I'm concerned this is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we now learn that the registrar voters were saying this is not ready for prime time. A lot of concern about that. Uh, and so we're asking for a thorough and, and deep audit uh, by the auditor of the motor voter program, which is going to encompass not just the DMV part of it, but the technological department of the state of California, which I think is in need of a good, good hard look, plus the Secretary of State. And I just think that there's going to be more revelations and more problems out of, uh, out of Motor Voter. Uh, the, the, there are indications from our sources inside the D DMV and, and uh, continuing concerns by voters who are saying a lot of things to us uh, back so what, in the district. what are your personal concerns? What's the biggest concern you have with the DMV in general? I, th I think that the registrar voters, I think, raise a fundamental question about whether the DMV is the right place to register uh, voters or not. I, I just say this. If, if the DMV cannot register our cars, they really don't have any business registering uh, our votes. Uh, voting is very important. It's a sacred franchise. We all want people to be able to have that franchise, exercise it, uh, have quick uh, and uh, thorough access to the to the ballot box, but... Do both it, parties want that, though? What? Easy access to the voting booth. Well, that, well I, I, I can't speak for the rest of the Republican Party, but I do think that uh, uh, there is nothing wrong with having uh, easy access to the ballot box as long as it is thorough and that the registration pro process is 100% accurate. There's no place for a batting average of 300 in this. This is, has to be a perfect execution. And so I think that uh, that motor voter is something that uh, the federal government has been supportive of. Many other states are doing it well. California is not doing it well at all. And if we really care about the uh, sanctity of the ballot box and the trust that we have that elections aren't in some way manipulated by uh, bad information or voters that wanted to vote that couldn't or ineligible that did, so th then I think we've got to have uh, an audit and find out the truth behind all this. So let's go there. There's, uh, not you, but Senator John Morlock, who mm -hmm. would point to some inconsistencies in votings that, that, that he finds. I won't repeat conspiracy theories here, but I, I think there's a general concern from many Republicans that the sanctity of California's elections is questionable. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that argument? Well, well, I would say that uh, mistakes like that, if they do exist, will sooner or later find the light of day. Uh, I mean, there are those who are litigating the state. There are some settlements that have been made. There are others that are 
uh, pointing uh, to the analysis, I think maybe the Sacramento Bee might have done it, that in one particular race in Central California with David Valadeo, there may or may not have been right. enough of these votes. So I just say that my, my experience up here for six years is you get Elaine Howell to, to, to get her uh, head uh, around these kinds of issues, and she will get to the bottom of it. She got to the bottom, I think, of high-speed rail, did a, a fantastic job. She has also audited so many other departments and divisions here. I think that if you take a look at the entire motor voter problem, you ask the right kind of questions, and you dig in and find the truth, I think she can help get some information that frankly, it seems like the Secretary of State's office is withholding or in, uh, imperfectly providing to uh, media through, through FOIA requests. Anytime you, you see a lot of pages of FOIA information and... 577, uh, which yeah, I personally reviewed. Right. <laughs> and have a substantial number of redactions that are so, so serious that, 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 that the documentation's almost... Uh, illegible, unreadable, and fathomable. I, we just, I think Democrats and Republicans ought to be very, very concerned so, so we've that talked. the DMV is making these huge mistakes, and the mistakes have to end, or the entire program starts to fall apart. So, so we've talked problems. Let's talk solutions. Sure. So one of the solutions that you've introduced is an audit request into the motor voter program. Yes. I spoke with the chairman of the Joint Legislative Audit Committee, Rudy Salas, mm -hmm. Assemblyman, and asked him, is this something that will be reviewed? And it looks like they're going to approve it, likely March 6th hearing. And you failed by one vote in your last audit sure. request in August. And that's for something as basic as the DMV, which nobody seems <laughs> to like. Why will this be any different for you as far as an outcome to get the audit approved? Well, you know, I hope that uh, both parties have learned the important lesson that when we have these kinds of real serious issues, there is a very good nonpartisan, highly respected uh, office of the auditor. And if you get Elaine uh, getting involved in this, uh, you get transparency, you get a full set of uh, deep dives into the problems, and it helps us to understand how serious is this, what needs to be done to fix it, and to chart for us uh, a pathway to success. I really think that uh, the examples of her auditing well, we uh, could University go, we could of go California... Down the list and, and just putting aside the merits of this, though, yeah. why is it going to pass? Why are lawmakers from well, both sides going to approve your audit? I, I don't know that that's the case. I still have to present. We still have to get on the agenda for March. Uh, I, I'm hoping that there will be uh, others, and Democrats as well, that would come along and say, you know what, this needs to be bipartisan. My hope is that we get uh, a, a vote on this so that we know for sure what went on. If there were huge problems, there could be a pathway to, uh, to fix it. Maybe it requires a pause until the technology of DMV is brought into the 21st century. There's a whole lot of issues that I think revolve around the DMV's uh, technological system that is 40 years old and falling apart. We're now hearing that apparently uh, back around the election, uh, there might have been a two-month, maybe a three-month um, absolute collapse of information that required many, many people, including constituents of ours, to have to pay twice for, 
for registering their car, uh, that the payment system uh, has lost data. That begs the question, has that system also created failures in voter registration? And there's, there's dominoes that fall here, and we've got to find out that the technological dominoes and the huge errors made with the DMV has not affected voter registration. We have some symptoms that say to us it might have, uh, seriously. And I think that we just have to get to the bottom of that. Two final questions, because we're still investigating, sure. but two very brief ones. Yes or no, is voter fraud a problem in California from your perspective? I think there are some indications that there could be. That's not, not a yes or I'm no, not, that's a hedge. <laughs> uh, look, um, what's important for me is we get to the facts and we have somebody that we can trust to get to the facts. And if you were to ask me about this, about high-speed rail, I would have said, yeah, high-speed rail is a boondog that's in real trouble and go read the audit. If there is a problem with registration that led to some fraudulent behavior, I think the auditor can discover that by looking at the entire operation of motor voter program across the technology, uh, the DMV and the Secretary of State. So it sounds like I'm hearing a TBD, we'll find out. I, 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 look, I'm going to reserve judgment until we get down to the facts. And I would just suggest that uh, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I think that facts matter and I have been really satisfied that Elaine Howe gets to them and we're going to get an answer to whether or not there has been fraudulent behavior because if this audit goes forward, which I hope it does, I think it will open up and unlock the kind of information that many in the media, including the Sacramento Bee, have been asking for. I think it should be voluntary. I think that the Secretary of State and the DMV and the technology people have got to open up everything and say, here are the problems. We've got to have the registrar of voters in front of the auditor as well to say, what in the world went wrong here? What, was the war what were the warning signs you were seeing? Then we get to the facts. Then we can make conclusions. I'm not ready to make conclusions one way or the other now. Assemblyman Patterson, thank you so much for thank sticking for with me a little bit longer here I'm, than promised. I I'm appreciate glad to do it. it. Uh, honestly, Brian, I, I really appreciate your reporting and, and you dig and you get to the facts and you're accurate and I'm grateful for that. Well, I don't know if I can keep that in, but I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, come on. You know what that sound means? It's time for our favorite segment, Buzz of the Week, where I share one thing I can't stop thinking about. If you have a headline you can't get off your mind, give me a call at 916-326-5538. You can also check our show notes for more information. Now, the last couple of weeks at the Capitol have been incredibly busy. But one thing I can't get off my mind is a passionate speech given by Democratic Assemblyman Mike Gibson. It came at a news conference about gun violence. Former Arizona Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, who was shot in the head in 2011, was also in attendance. Now, toward the end of the event, Gibson came forward to share a deeply personal story in an effort to push for stricter gun laws in California. And that's what I can't stop thinking about. Take a listen. Two days before Christmas, as people were buying toys and the festivities that Christmas bring, we were preparing an obituary. My nephew was shot and killed in Los Angeles. So as we were celebrating, and all America was celebrating, the holiday season, we was mourning. We were in pain. Family members laid in a fetal position, crying on the bathroom floors. I want that to seek in for a moment, 
because these are things that takes place not only in Los Angeles, but throughout the United States of America, where now fathers and mothers are burying their children because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, or because of the color of shirts they're wearing or shoes that they're wearing. These are very real issues that we're all facing here, not only in California, but also all across the United States of America. And today, the individuals that stand behind me are drum majors for justice. They're going to stand and be, be relentless on legislation to do what we're called to do, and that is protect by good gun legislation our family members, the people that we represent day in and day out. I wish that no one has to bury their loved ones, their children's. I wish that no one has to do that. You don't know what the pain that means and you, that feels. And today, we continue to put forth good, sensible gun legislation to protect our constituents, to protect those in California. We will lead the way. We will be the example for all America. Because if California can do it, certainly other countries and other states can do it as well. And so I'm happy to be part of this working group. I'm happy to, um, one, sponsor and co-author all the legislation that you see here before us today. I'm going to be authoring um, and reintroducing the ghost gun bill. The ghost gun bill is a bill. Ghost guns are guns that are made using a 3D printer. They can go through TSA because they're plastic and no one, under, no one knows that they even exist. We must make sure that our laws um, continue to safeguard our loved ones in California. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning into our show. We'll be back in your feed later this month with a new episode. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation. So, Sophia, can you give us some insight as to what governor... It's okay. <laughs> the governor. <laughs> it's Gavin and a governor. You yeah, just get yeah. your Brangelina going there. Yeah. We called Schwarzenegger the governor. I mean, it's only fair, governor. Yeah. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I think we found the, uh, the soundbite at the end. I'm the victim here. Okay. <laughs>